This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. Today, we're continuing our journey of the Old Testament series, It Really Happened. The topic in this lesson today is conquest, which was the children of Israel going into the promised land and claiming the inheritance that God had given them. It's my goal today to hopefully show how in archaeology, that is the historical objects in the ground, prove the reliability of Scripture. Well, you may say, well, I don't need any proof. I have faith and I have my Bible. And yes, we all believe that is true. But it would be my hope that this study would only strengthen your resolve. Modern biblical archaeology was born in Israel in 1890 by this man, Flinders Petrie. This was when he was invited to Palestine. He was already known for his work in Egypt. He was famous for his ability to inter interpret time periods by studying the pottery that was found at the historical sites. His expedition in Palestine was to the city of Lachish. Lachish is mentioned in the Bible over 20 times, and it is uh, one of the children of Israel. It is one of their conquests. Flinders was able to excavate, and he dated the levels in the soil kind of like layers on a cake. The pottery in these layers pointed to different cultures. This technique revolutionized archaeology, and the hills where the expeditions took place are now known as tales. Our lesson today is primarily in the book of Joshua. The historians are unsure who actually wrote the book of Joshua. Uh, they say it was added to the Bible long after it was written. In the book of Talmud, this is some Hebrew Aramaic, it's some ancient writings. It states that Eliezer, he was the son of Aaron, it stated that he was the one that started writing the book of Joshua. And he died before it was finished, and his son Phineas was the one that completed it. At this time, please remember, there's no exact evidence who wrote it but that's what they think to believe true. Historians say Joshua's a lot like a lot of the other books in the Bible. They say it's a collection of ancient manuscripts, including the written reports of the spies that went into the promised land. I want to make it clear, too, that the evidence that is found in the ground in the secular documentation of the evidence is sometimes up for speculation. And never will I suggest that the findings or the reports of the experts are full proof because 
a lot of times they don't agree. They don't agree on the timeline and they don't all interpret the evidence the same way. What the Bible says, however, time and time again, over generations, has proved itself to be true. It can be used as a guide for interpretation. Let's look at 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Our study now takes us to a place by the name of Gilgal. There's a lot of history in Gilgal. This is where Saul of the Bible was anointed king. This is also where he lost his kingdom. This is where the prophet Samuel was to deliver a burnt offering, but Saul took it on himself to do it. Written historical records in the book of Joshua can describe when an event took place as well as where it took place. God had parted the water at the River Jordan. And that was during the time of harvest. It was during time of Passover. Let's look at Joshua 4.18. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up unto dry land that the waters of the Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped at Gilgal in the eastern border of Jericho. Here's a map here. Uh, Jericho is right down here at the bottom. There's Gilgal. You can see the Jordan River right here. This is the Dead Sea. If you look up here, this is the Sea of Galilee. This is where Jesus did a lot of his ministry there. And all this came to pass after 40 years of Israel's wandering in the desert and Moses' banishment. Naturally, during this difficult time, the children of Israel had begun to despair. Our holy and righteous God takes notice of their afflictions. And then God had pity on them and delivered them by parting the waters of the Jordan. This was not by accident. He wanted them to remember their deliverance from Egypt. There were 12 stones laid down at Gilgal. Let's look at Joshua 4.21. Well, first, let's look at, let's look at a, uh, a slide of Gilgal. As you can see, this is kind of commercialized. There's a parking lot here. There is agriculture in the area. This is either dates or palm trees. Uh, here is where they said the 12 stones were laid. They're not there now. They say Israel has got the stones. Uh, this is where the offering was offered. This big area here is where the children of Israel camped. Uh, it's kind of set up for tourists, I guarantee you. It didn't look like this 3,000 years ago. And this is a simulation of kind of what 
where they would burn the offerings over here. That's what that would look like if it was over there. Um, okay, now let's go to Joshua 4.21. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan from before you until you were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. Like the children of Israel, maybe we should place landmarks in our spiritual life where God took notice of our plight and delivered us as well. They had 12 stones to commemorate the crossing of the River Jordan. These stones were placed on the dry riverbed as they crossed, and then later on it was moved to Tel Gilgal, east of Jericho, where we saw that on the map there. This memorial stands not, <coughs> excuse me, not only as a testament to God's deliverance, but as a testament to us all that he too will deliver us through his son Jesus who died for our disobedience. Here's an aerial view of, of Gilgal. What I want you to look at now is this area right here. Humans are creatures of habit. Every time they camp, they, they did it in order. They did it the same way every time when they would go to camp. This is a huge area. There were thousands of people inside this area. And if you look, it looks kind of like a footprint. Everywhere they laid siege to a city of conquest and different places that they camped in the Holy Land, it looks just like that. Let's look at Deuteronomy 11.24. Every place where upon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the utmost sea shall your coast be. There shall be no man able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land and that ye shall tread upon, and he has said unto you. Okay, let's look at one of their conquests here. Let's move on to Jericho. This is an aerial view of Jericho. Here's the ancient city here. In the background, you're looking at the modern city right there. So um, Jericho, we'll talk a little bit about it. It's one of the oldest cities in the world. Uh, they dated it at 7,000 B.C. It places it in the Neolithic age. This picture is a structure at, at an excavation, and it was found by Kathleen Kenyon. In her report, she names this as the Neolithic Tower. And she says this is what dates Jericho to 7,000 B.C. The elevation at Jericho is 900 feet below sea level, give or take. It also makes it the lowest city on earth. And for the past 70 years, 
This has become the number one attack on the Old Testament. All the evidence proves the exact details held in the biblical account. The Bible has real evidence. Jericho's name means the city of palms. Jericho's also known for another tree. This is uh, Elijah's spring. It's right there in Jericho. Uh, the other tree is known as the Zacchaeus tree. This is allegedly the tree about the story in the Bible where Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree, up in a sycamore tree, to see Jesus. There's not a lot of early evidence of the children of Israel until they actually possessed the promised land. This is because they were slaves for 400 years, and then they wandered in the Sinai Desert for 40. Jericho was a well-fortified Canaanite city. Here's an artist's rendition of it. Um, you can see there's two walls here. The outer wall, they said it was 40 feet tall. You can see it has a stone retainment down here at the bottom. The inner wall was 50 feet tall, so they say they've pieced it together and somehow they came up with those figures. They put tons of dirt in between these two walls and then they built housing on top of it. And this was done this way for a reason. They engineered it this way to defeat battering rams. The housing in here, if you look at it, it looks a lot like our modern housing. The Canaanites, like the Egyptians, they were academic. They had engineering. They were able to engineer that. But they were also greedy. They were prideful and power hungry. God took a people that used flint knives and lived in tents to destroy them. This proves that man's physical and his mental ability is no match for our holy and righteous God. Because of modern archaeology, we believe the town was deserted in about 1450 B.C. The first digs, the first people to excavate there were in 1907 and 1911 by these two men. This is a picture of Ert Selen and Carl Watzinger. They are German archaeologists. From their findings, they suggested that all accounts of the Bible were true. The battle and the destruction of Jericho were clearly found. Here's a very, very early picture of one of the walls there at Jericho. And here you can see the stone. This is what looks to be mud brick here on the top of it. And uh, I guarantee you the ancient city doesn't look like this now. It's, it's been picked over. It's been excavated. It's been, it's been, it been in a war-torn area. So this picture is a good rendition of what the first archaeologists looked at when they were there. Here's another picture of it. <clears throat> this is the stone retainment wall here. So, the second dig was John Garstein, and it was from 1930 to 1936. 
Here's a picture of him. And remains of the upper wall were found, and he dated the upper wall at 1400 B.C. Here's a picture of the mud bricks. Uh, you can see a few stones down here in the bottom in this area. And they say that, well, I read, and then I saw on a podcast a little bit about it, that they believe that part of this could be part of Rehab's house because the account in the Bible stated that she let the rope down in order for, for the spies. She let the, so her house, as far as they uh, figured, was right up against the outer wall. So um, be that as, as it may, this is the most intact part of the site. And in the Bible, it says that they did not destroy her house. So uh, the next uh, excavation, the third excavation, was done by Kathleen Kenyon. But let's back up a little bit, back up to Garstain. He not only did, uh, dated these mud bricks, he also dated uh, pictures of jars. I have pictures here of jars of barley. And these jars were burnt. And it was in the burn layer, the destruction layer. Here you can see put a cane in here to show, show the size. But that's what he found. He dated the pottery here at 1400 B.C. Here's another picture of a, of a burnt jar. Um, the third excavation was done by Kathleen Kenyon. And her style of archaeology was a little more modern. And she used cuts into the side of the tail. And the different layers were like layers on a cake. And they depicted, those layers depicted different time frames. The objects she found in the ground, she dated them and they were different time frames. Her findings, however, were in direct contrast to the earlier digs. She dates the burn layer at 1550 BC. So this is much earlier than the children of Israel were known to arrive. The latest excavations have been carried out by an Italian team from 1997 to 2000 and then from 2009 to present under the leadership of a man by the name of Lorenzo Nigro. This group is responsible for the brochures that discount the biblical accounts. Here's a brochure. If you look here, right here, you can see that's where Kathleen Kenyon dug. This is that Neolithic tower you saw a picture of earlier. Over here is Garstain. This is the north end of, of the site. This is where Garstain was digging. Here's the entrance that you go in. Here's that spring, Elijah's spring, that we saw a picture of Jericho with the palm trees. That's where it is. If you look here, nowhere in here do you see anything about 1400 or 1450 B.C. This pamphlet here does not uphold the biblical account at all anywhere in here. All these are much uh, earlier. And... Uh, they say the children of Israel came up on all of this after it was already destroyed and claimed it. The area is currently under control of the West Bank 
Palestinians, who of course are not Christians, and other archaeologists that work in the area have stated that sometimes evidence is buried that supports the biblical account. Clay jars with barley, for instance. If you go there nowadays and you tour Jericho, this is what you're going to see. The jars are definitely don't look burnt and they're not full, so that's what they're going to show you. They do agree, the experts, they do agree on the following. They agree that, number one, this is ancient Jericho. Number two, they, they all agree that the upper brick wall fell outward and fell against the stone base. They agree that there's a massive burn layer that extends completely throughout the tell. And they agree that full jars of barley have been found throughout many of the rooms. They also agree that there's an abandonment layer where no one occupied Jordan, uh, excuse me, no one occupied Jericho for quite some time. Joshua had placed a curse on anyone that would rebuild the city. They don't agree on the date of the destruction of the city. They don't agree on where the walls fell. Kathleen Kenyon overturned the earlier excavations because she made, this, she made this decision not because of the evidence there at the site. She made it because of something she didn't find. She didn't find cypress pottery, which was uh, known, uh, well, it was equated with what the uh, children of Israel would carry. It stated that she only excavated a small portion of the tail. Here's a picture of her site here. Uh, you can see here, right there, that, that, that's the burn layer. The layer above that is the abandonment layer. Kathleen Kenyon does, however, she supports some of the biblical account because she states in her report that the wall had appeared to have fallen before the city was burned. One might wonder if she made her earlier claims because of political reasons because at the time of her excavation the area was occupied hers and Garstain's the area was occupied by Jordan. Dr. Bryant Wood is a modern day archaeologist who is a specialist in pottery and he uses the latest techniques. Here's a picture of Dr. Wood. He's examined both the pottery that Kathleen Kenyon found and the pottery that Garstain found, and he dates it at 1400 B.C. In this layer, he's seen here, back up, he's seen here pointing at some mud brick. Here's a picture of him standing at the stone uh, base wall there. The clay jars of barley any other army than the children of Israel would have taken them. They wouldn't have burned it. There was food. And because it's stated in the Bible that God told them not to take anything, he told them that because those things were devoted to destruction. And he told them to burn everything. Rehab was faithful to God and helped the children of Israel. 
Therefore, her house was spared. The children of Israel, by the commandments of God, took only silver, gold, and vessels of bronze, and they took some iron. And these were all to go in the treasury of the Lord. These jars that were full of barley are pretty good evidence that it was at time of harvest, when the Bible said it was, when the city of Jordan was conquered. The Bible states that it was during Passover, and they crossed the river Jordan when the river was full. The children of Israel celebrated Passover annually, and it was always during time of harvest. Let's look at Joshua 6.20. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man, woman, young and old, and ox, sheep, and ass with the edge of the sword. Now 24, verse 24, 624. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron, and they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rehab, the heart of the alive, and her father's house and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even to this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent out to spy Jericho. Now, that's pretty good evidence, you know, that they were there when they said they were. And let's move on to their next city of conquest, which would be the city of Hazor. This is not actually the next one, but this is another city of conquest that the children of Israel, uh, that they... They, that they took over. This is Hazer. One layer in the tail of Hazer here, right here, right in here somewhere, there, there was a, a destruction layer. And in that layer, they found three stone tablets, and they dated that destruction layer at 1450 B.C. One of the stone tablets had an inscription on it, and it was addressed to a king. The king's name was Jabin. In the Bible, it states Hazor here as a city of conquest and that Joshua smote King Jabin. There's a picture of the tablet there. Um, I apologize. I think this, this is supposed to be the actual tablet with King Jabin's, uh, his his signature on it, but um, I, I believe this, was take, this picture was taken out of a museum. So uh, in the Bible, let's look and see what it has to say about it. And it came to pass when, when Jabin, king of Hazor, had heard those things that he sent to Joab, king of Madden, and to the king of Cimarron and the king of Ashfith, now in verse 10, and Joshua at that time turned back and took Hazor and smote the king thereof with the sword for Hazor before time was the head of all those kingdoms. So here we have 
we have a city, we have a destruction layer dated at 1450 B.C. They found three tablets, one of them addressed to Yabin, and in the Bible it states Hazor is a city of conquest and that Joshua smote King Yabin. Let's go on to the next city. This is the city of Shechem. If you look right here, this is the ruins of the temple. Right outside the temple here is what they believe to be the standing stone of Joshua. If you look here, there's a pretty impressive wall, or was an impressive wall here around this city as well. Here's the standing stone of Joshua in the temple here. The standing stone of Joshua is in front of the Shechem temple. is thought to be the covenant stone that Joshua erected before which the Israelis proclaimed their loyalty to Yahweh, Yahweh after the successful conquest of the promised land. So this was after they had completed their quest. They had conquered all they were going to and Joshua came here to the city of Shechem and placed that stone there. This stone has stood for thousands of years and is still standing in Shechem. Here's Dr. Bryant Wood again. And he says, since the temple existed in Joshua's day, it is possible that this large stone, he set it up under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord at Shechem. And then Dr. Wood lists, the, in the Bible, he lists Joshua 24. So let's go to Joshua 24, verse 25. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And then on down to verse 27. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall therefore be a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. The standing stone of Joshua and the commemorative 12 stones placed at Gigel. For me, in my own life, I see how God has worked with me through smaller, through faith, through, through small things that will lead to bigger things. Our holy and righteous God needs to refine us and to mature us. This in turn will prepare us to accomplish his plans. He can do the same for you. Maybe your first matter of faith is to walk down this aisle and give your life to him and be baptized. Like the standing stone there in Shechem, your family will know when you pro proclaim your loyalty to God. We can't lean on our own understanding. Like the battle of Jericho, when we let God dictate the battle plan, it's always a lot easier than we think it is. When we're obedient, we can experience the reliability of his promises. That in turn will lead us to salvation. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram 
and send us a message there.